It's Thursday, February 5th, 2015. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Polk Runyon. And tonight we present a discussion on the recent Dan Brown novel, Inferno, and the cult of transhumanism that it seems to advocate. Now, this is a highly controversial subject and deals with issues that are deeply challenging from a moral and ethical position. And we'll also go back to an earlier novel by H.G. Wells, Men Like Gods, 1922, which deals with the same issues and projects a genetically perfected future utopia that seems to be the goal of today's transhumanists. Now, we'll compare this form of human elitism with the uh, process of hermetic self-development, and we'll ask ourselves which way we would rather follow to become more than human. So, tune in with us and find out what's coming in the next 100 years. And this is as I said, quite a controversial subject. And uh, I just read a a column in the LA Times this morning that claims that political correctness is is no longer politically correct. It's been abused so much, according to this very liberal commentator, that it needs to, the name needs to be dropped and they need to come up with some, some new euphemism uh, for political correctness. Well, we're going to get politically incorrect tonight because you can't discuss transhumanism without uh, breaking some eggs. You know, it's like making an omelet. Uh, and Dan Brown's Inferno, which is a bestseller, and um, and uh, this is, you know, he's the same guy who wrote The Da Vinci Code and, and Angels and Demons and, and uh, a number of others preceding that. And Dan Brown likes to find huge, uh, mind-bending, pending catastrophes or or world dooms, uh, and, and, and weave a story around them. He did this, of course, in Angels and Demons, uh, with the uh, with the CERN collider. And you remember, there was some. There, this was almost a almost an apocalyptic scenario back when the Stern Collider, uh, before, right, right before it went online, uh, there were people that were predicting that it was going to blow up the universe and, or, you know, going to turn the world into a black hole or something like that. And uh, so Dan, Dan Brown uh, used that and, uh, and wove that into his story, Angels and Demons, which was, you know, it was a good thriller. By the way, I want to think, say something about Dan Brown uh, as a writer. Uh, I I really enjoy his his work. I really really enjoy it, and I agree with a lot of the things that he's come up with, especially his Jesus and Mary Magdalene uh, idea, um, which 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 I very definitely go along with, and I think that that. Uh, but um, Dan Brown is a is a follower, a disciple of another very successful writer by the name of Dean Kuntz. And Dean Kuntz, and those of you who aspire to write to write the kind of the stuff that Dan Brown and Dean Kuntz write, thrillers. In other words, if you really want to know how to write a thriller, Dean Kuntz wrote a book 
basically for his science fiction fans who were criticizing him for selling out and writing mainstream fiction. So he wrote a book called How to Write Best-Selling Fiction. Now, this is the Bible for people who want to write the same kind of thrillers that Dan Brown and and, and Ann Crunch write. And uh, so just those of you who have those aspirations in mind. And you will find when you read... Make a study of Dan Brown's books, and he follows every single principle that Dan that uh, Dean Crunch lays lays out in how to write a thriller. And in fact, um, uh, you can see how he keeps perfecting it, and he finally gets to the Da Vinci Code. He's got it absolutely perfect. He has a down pat. Now, Inferno is pretty close. He follows the formula very very well. Uh, in uh, um, but uh, Dan Brown, of course, you know, used the Doom of the Month Club kind of thing, uh, and and uh, and uh, in 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 the Inferno, uh, in well, with angels and demons, he had he had uh, the 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 collider uh, uh, creating antimatter and having an antimatter explosion, and 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 this was going to uh, invert the invert the universe and turn us into a black hole or something like that. And uh, of course it didn't happen, but, but it made a good, it made a good story. And this sort of thing is like our old joke about the doom of the month club. You know, you got a new doom every month because there are people that really, really are into this and they, and they keep, uh, you know, waiting for the great earthquake. They keep waiting for the, you know, the, the, um, uh, whatever catastrophe happens to be uh, uh, on, on the menu. Uh, at a particular time, uh, I kind of like. Um, well, we 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 decided we would start the Doom of the Month Club as a joke, and we would offer a free Doom if you join. You know, you get a free Doom uh, for joining for signing up. And our and our free Doom was the Chinese duck poop Doom. And we found out that that, that ducks uh, poop in the rice paddies in China. And for this reason, Chinese coolies all have to smoke cigarettes. They have to smoke American cigarettes. This is great for American tobacco companies. That way it kills the parasites that the duck poop generates in, 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 the, in the rice paddies. It kills the parasites in their lungs, and the nicotine does. And, and so um, the, 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 we call this the Chinese duck poop doom. If you don't... Uh, if you don't uh, if you don't continually smoke cigarettes when you're when you're plucking rice out of the rice paddies, you've got to, you, you you're going to have a real problem. Well, uh, so much for that. But anyway, uh, in in Inferno, the Doom is probably the best. It, 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 it's it's greater than than something that the Doom of the Month Club would want to come up with. This is this this transcends the Doom of the Month Club completely. The Doom in in Inferno that Dan is exploiting is the population explosion and all of the various ramifications of the world population explosion. And uh, this, by the way, is not Dan Brown's imagination. This is, in fact. Just a few weeks ago, the L.A. Times came out with an editorial confirming everything, all of the, the, the menace that he, that he actually predicts in here, and they confirmed it, uh, that we do have a very, very, very serious looming world population explosion problem. And it is, it is the direct cause, as Dan Brown points out in this book. His villain, by the way, 
is is in a way his hero. This is this is the strange thing about this book is that the master villain in the book is really in a way turns out to be the hero of the book in the end. And and um, so the villain who is a transhumanist, by the way, a transhuman a transhuman humanist, uh, eugenics uh, uh, engineering genetic engineering expert, and uh, uh, he uh, lays this out and and the menace here, and and points out that this is everything that we have. All of our ecological concerns, greenhouse gases, uh, political climate causing climate change, uh, our, our strange weather patterns, just about everything, all of our ecological problems actually stem from our overpopulation problem. And uh, that's the cause of it. And so, you know, what we're, you know, right now we've got about 7 billion people on the planet, but, but, but they're breeding. They're breeding so fast that they're like they're breeding like rabbits, and 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 it's exponential. And in the in the next few years, we're going to have we're going to be up to nine billion people, and we simply don't have on this planet we don't have we don't have the resources, and we don't have the uh, the uh, the capability of feeding these people. We don't have the capability of, of, of taking care of them. We can't, uh, and much less finding meaningful work for them or anything like that this is this is a a, a gigantic problem and we're we're all facing it and and uh so Dan Brown has come up with this scenario where his villain who by the way does commit suicide before his villainy ever manifests itself because he realizes that everybody would hate him so much so what his villain does, and he's a transhumanist, and we'll get into that in a minute, but um, what he does is he's a genetic engineer. He creates a, a disease that will be, you know, that will become an epidemic. And this disease will alter will alter the DNA of every of of every third person that gets it and it will reduce the fertility of the human race it'll go worldwide it'll reduce the the, the fertility of the human race down to literally one third of what it it is right now and that way within 50 years or so uh, the population explosion will correct itself. Let me give you a little bit of background on some of this. Um, uh, those of you who, who may not be aware of this, um, back in the 1880s, there was a uh, there was a uh, mathematician who, by the name of Malthus, and he he predicted this population explosion because the industrial that era back in the 1880s was just getting started and this population explosion was beginning to was beginning to come on you know it was beginning to start and he could see it coming uh and uh so Malthus uh projected did did the math and he projected that we would have um uh the, this situation uh actually 
he projected that we'd have it long before now. We've been staving it off, and all uh, you know, we've been staving it off uh, by genetically engineered food. <laughs> yeah, so people, you know, people, they, they, everybody likes to hate Monsanto, but but then the, the truth of the matter is, we would have we we would have had a worldwide famine by 1980 if if, if it wasn't for some of the some of the uh, genetically altered food that we've sent around. Well, not that it's any, not that it's good for you. It's really not, but but at least it keeps people alive. And uh, and uh, the uh, the uh, Malthusian. So this this. This actually um, uh, came up with the term. It became a word, Malthusian. Malthusian, and and it, it, a word to describe literally the population explosion uh, because we know about this for a long, long time. And H.G. Wells knew about it. And um, back in 1922. Now, interestingly enough, uh, in studying. If you guys really want to get the background on this, uh, Wikipedia has a great big, big, they have uh, about 20 pages on this transhumanist uh, movement and what's behind it and whatever. And they credit a number of science fiction novels, some of which we'll mention. But the one that they leave out, the most important one, to all of these, to the transhumanist movement, to Dan Brown's Inferno, the most important prophetic novel on this whole business is H.G. Wells' Men Like Gods, 1922. And it's just been reprinted. And and, uh, and I highly recommend it. If you really want to find out where the transhumanists are, what they what they what they're using as a model, and and uh, and some of the problems that they're faced with, and trying to get into that that this H.G. Wells, uh, you know, the same guy that did World of Worlds and the Time Machine, and and uh, one of the a real a real prophet, science fiction prophet. Uh, now. What uh, this disease will do that that this uh, transhumanist uh, uh, I said, trying to remember his name here uh, Zorbist or something like that uh, he has some some uh, Central European name here uh, that Brown gives him uh, and uh, um, his disease will spread around the world very quickly and and it won't. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, affect you physically that much, but it does. It 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 will render. You know, uh, render uh, two thirds of the of the people on the planet will, will not be able to. Uh, will not be able to. Uh, uh, oh yeah, it's it's Zorbrist. Z o b r i s t. Yes, he is the. He is the. Um, um, transhumanist uh, genetic engineer that creates this thing in the book and his philosophy is presented in the book and like I said he's kind of in a way he's 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 uh, just as much of a hero as as uh, Langdon uh, in the book even though he commits suicide uh, realizing of course he'll be hated for what he's done now one of the things I want to mention about Inferno uh, you don't really need to read uh, the whole book, if you want it, oh, it's a good thriller, uh, and it's well plotted. Uh, it's one of these thrillers 
that that everything nothing is the way it seems. Langdon wakes up in a hospital in in uh, in Florence, Italy. He's been shot in the head, uh, and he has a head wound, or he thinks he does anyway. And he wakes up and 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 can't remember what's happened to him. And he's actually what's really happened to him is he's been he's he's been working for the World Health Organization and he doesn't know it. He's been over there uh, trying to trying to find this um, trying to find this uh, this disease that this Zorbist has um, has created and to lead the World Health Organization and their their uh, their biological hazard SWAT team, which is which is not only uh, well equipped but well armed, and and uh, to try to lead them a series of clues because this Zorbist is also, and you know how Dan Brown's novels are they 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 involve a lot of a lot of cultural uh, symbolism, and uh, so in this case it's Dante's Inferno, and Zorbist, along with being a genetic engineer. Is also a uh, a real fan of, of of Dante, and he loves Dante's Inferno, and and so he plants he plots his whole uh, uh, scheme of of releasing this this uh, uh, this plague of his uh, on on scenes from Dante's Inferno, and leads. Uh, Langdon on a typical Dan Brown kind of, uh, you know, uh, sort of, uh, uh, well, kind of like Indiana Jones, you know, go around and X, X never, never, never marks the spot except there it is right on the floor in the tile. Well, that's the way it is. And so, uh, yeah, Langdon wakes up and and, and, and he's, uh, you know, he's completely uh, doesn't know where he's been and whatever. And he discovers, and this this young nurse is trying to help him. And of course, she turns out to be the former girlfriend of Zorbist, and she's a, a transhumanist, and she is is trying to lead Langdon astray, and, and yet at the same time, she wants to find the the uh, the, the germ uh, uh, booby trap herself. She wants to find it, and 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 she's not sure just how dangerous it is. So she's really not not trying to help her her boyfriend who is Zorbist who commits suicide. By the way, once he gets this thing planted, then he then he jumps off the top of the tower in Florence and kills himself. Um, and um, so this thing has all kinds of twists and turns in it. And a uh, secret organization, very much like Bond, like James Bond's Spectre, uh, which also enters into in, enters into this. Zorbus hires them to protect him while he's trying to develop this thing. Uh, so you have all of these these uh, you know these typical Dan Brown combination, Indiana Jones, uh, James Bond kind of stuff going on. But if you get this book and you just want to read the the key chapters that refer to uh, the population explosion and uh, and the uh, and the uh, uh, the plague and what it's going to do and how and the problem and how 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 Zorbis designs to solve it. 
Then all you need to do is read chapter 22, 31, 50, and 67. So you might want to mark those down. Chapters 22, 31, 50, and 67. That's the meat of the book. And the meat of the book as far as its philosophy and all is concerned. Now, um, the the Sorbist is a is a transhumanist and and uh and his girlfriend uh sienna uh play on on uh on sentience you know on uh, she's a she's a genius and uh and uh sienna of course being uh the play on 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 wisdom but uh, uh what is uh what what the transhumanists really want to do and as they want to breed a better human being, and and uh, they want to do this uh, primarily with genetic engineering. At least that's the impression that they, that you get from from the Inferno. Uh, and they want to manipulate uh, human DNA to get rid of uh, some of our you know, our hereditary problems that we have. Literally design a better human being by by manipulating the DNA. Now this is called in transhumanist uh, terminology, they no longer like to use the term eugenics. And the reason for that is is the transhumanism, the movement, which got started by the way in, in nineteen eighty, it started right here in Southern California, UCLA, nineteen eighty. Uh and And uh, they don't like to use the term eugenics because eugenics, as some of you may remember, uh, was a movement, uh, post-Darwinian, one of these post-Darwinian movements, where where, uh, uh, society was going to, authoritarian society, was going to actually control uh, breeding and and eugenics was a viable move, not just in Nazi Germany, but but all but over here in this country, and and in England and various uh, places, and in, in Europe, the the eugenics movement was actually uh, very 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 uh, very powerful, and to the point where they were uh, sterilizing. Uh, they were forced to sterilize mentally defective and retarded people. Were literally legally they were they were required to be sterilized. This was going on, and and um, it it was going on. But it was uh, even then highly highly controversial. And and of course, by the time the Nazis got into it, everybody got so disgusted with it as a result of their their uh, um, take on it, that and finally, after World War II, there was no more. Genet- eugenics went out with when, when the Nazis adopted it and tried to breed their supermen. Uh, that was the end of the eugenics movement. And yet, at the, at, for, for a while, it was rather, it was rather powerful. And uh, um, so... The transhumanist. Look, I'm going to tell a little personal story here. Um, that my own personal experience with this uh, situation that I think I'll share with you. When I was in in uh, after after I got out of the army, I went back to back to school, 
uh, and uh, stayed in the reserve, of course, and went back to school at Florida State University. And uh, and while I was there, I had a friend. Uh, I, I, I withhold his name. Uh, I had a friend who was a who was a biologist, and 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 was um, very much uh, in, involved in the beginning. In the beginning of, of, of uh, you know, the, the, the awareness of DNA was just beginning to become, we were just beginning to be, become aware of the DNA factors at that time. This is 1960, 1961, 62. Uh, and uh, so my friend, uh, we, we were both in, the, we were both in the, um, the civilian defense organization at the university. And uh, uh, my friend was very, very liberal, and and um, he was very, very liberal, and 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 consequently, very much a believer in in enlightenment, the enlightenment principle that all men are created equal. You know, like it says in the Constitution. Well, all men are not created equal, but but uh, well, but for political purposes, they they pretty much have to be, especially especially since this has become uh, one of the you know one of the found one of the found foundations uh, principles of of uh, liberal uh, liberal social politics and whatever. But my friend, uh, the um, you know you know at that time he was working on his master's I believe, and. Uh, uh so we 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 used to have some discussions about uh about um uh, these issues and uh and i was kind of, of of the opinion that that uh that heredity was was much more of a factor than than uh than the liberals seemed to think it was in those days that heredity was. This is 1960 now. In those days, heredity was still considered not to be a uh, a real factor in in uh, human behavior. Uh, environment was everything in those days. My friend, the uh, the, the professor to be, uh, disagreed with that. Entirely, he, he thought heredity was not a factor at all. He he thought he, he, every, environment was everything. In other words, um, I don't know whether he was a. I never asked him what he thought of B. F. Skinner or whatever. But but you know that that was where he was at, and and uh, and very much a liberal. Well, uh, after after I graduated, um, I went back to. Back to St. Pete, and and uh, and uh, I got a job at Ringling Brothers Circus, and I was also running a special forces reserve team. Uh, but uh, at one point, and I was starting to develop my writing career, so I wanted to. Uh, I was working on a novel, and I and I and I uh, called Night Jump Cuba. I think I've discussed this before, and. Uh, there was a there was a, a hypothetical atomic rocket engine that they had developed out of Las Vegas. Or I mean, out of Los Alamos, 
Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, out of Los Alamos, they they had developed this, uh, or they were trying to develop this uh, magnetic pinch um, um, atomic engine uh, uh, called the Sherwood Drive after the man who had invented it. But uh, it didn't work, and so they declassified it. And I wanted to go out there and get some information on it, which I did. And and lo and behold, my friend, the the uh, the biologist, was out there on on the mesa, out there on at Los Alamos as a government uh, a government scientist, a biologist, and uh, and so. Sure enough, I went out. I went out and, and stayed with him and his wife while I, you know, got the tour of, the, of uh, you know, of Los Alamos and and got the information on 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 the engine, or whatever. And uh, while we were there, DNA was starting to come in, and they were starting to learn a lot more about it, and a lot more, uh, a lot more progress was being made in 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 uh, in that area. And my friend uh, became very upset when when we got into the subject again. He well, he actually mentioned some of it. He said, "You know," he said, "Unfortunately, some of the some of your views on heredity are probably have a lot more validity than I than 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 I thought they did." He said, "I don't like it," and he was very uncomfortable about it. But he said, "I thought it." He said, "I you know I I, I admit that that heredity is." Is we're we're beginning to realize that heredity is a lot more of a uh, a lot more of a factor than than we we wanted to think it was, and uh, so this coming from him, you know uh, that that by the way right there is is the uh, that's the germ of of trans of transhumanism, and by the way, and the the transhumanists in the 1980 when they got started the UCLA. And they 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 got their their organization going, got it started. They uh, were even then coming in for criticism about you know trying to revive eugenics, and 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 uh, so they 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 bit the bullet, and they decided that they would become completely politically correct. And then declared that transhumanism is going to be for everybody. Everybody's going to, not just the rich. They're not, you know, this has been one of the criticisms. Oh well, we already have such a division between the the wealthy and the, and and the, and the diminishing middle class and whatever in this country. So what the heck uh, 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 are we going to create uh, super babies? That, that only the rich can afford to have their children engineered, and uh, this was already a criticism that these people were up against, and and so they 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 did uh, in a way this was very much like what happened with Mensa, you know Mensa got started with the Genius Club, and that got started uh, back around the same well a little bit earlier about ten years before in in the, in the 1960s Mensa was going to solve the population explosion problem. And so their first great big conference, that was on their agenda. And unfortunately, they realized that some of the solutions they came up with were so unpleasant and so uh, reminiscent of 
of uh, some of the some of the ideas of the Nazis that they decided Menza decided after that they would just be a social club. <laughs> and so and the same thing in their way happens with the trans with the transhumanists. They they when they ran up against the criticism that they were going to that they were creating that they were going to create a a, a, a super race for the wealthy and 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 the rest of the rest of the humanity would be some sort of sub subspecies. As soon as that criticism got leveled against them, they decided no transhumanism and and. Uh, they don't call it eugenics anymore. They call it they call it uh, germination choice, and that's going to be for everybody, everybody. And and now, of course, they're taking credit for this this Obamacare. You know, the the, the uh, health care for everybody. Well, we're going to have we're going to have genetic enhancement for everybody. Everything's going to be for everybody. But this is the power of of the power of the egalitarian political. Um, correctness uh, pressure. So um, one of the things that, that, that they've been criticized for is this idea of creating supermen and uh, and also Frankenstein monsters and everything else. That, see, now, now, transhumanism isn't just, just it's not just uh, genetic engineering. That's not, that's not the whole ball of wax. Into this mix, we also put nanotech, implants, and uploading and downloading the human brain into an artificial intelligence. How about that one for you? Yeah. And so there's a lot of concepts, uh, many of which, as I say, have been explored in science fiction. Now, um, I'm going to mention some of these science fiction stories. We discussed these uh, some of these stories before on our on our uh, in forays into science fiction, where you know uh, um, uh, uh, Doctor Shoemaker and I have have uh, have had, uh, had some shows on on uh, on predictive science fiction. So let's uh, just mention a few that that. Uh, predict this sort of thing. A.E. Van Vaught, who was also very much into Scientology, and and Scientology has some some not not a direct connection with this, but but it has some similar goals, and uh, and but with a somewhat different approach. Now, um, uh, the science fiction stories that I would mention: A.E. Van Vaught's World of Nell A. Okay, the World of Nell A. and 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 uh, the players of Nell A. Very definitely, because Gosain, the hero in 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 Van Vaught's uh, Nell A. stories, he dies one place, and He's reborn somewhere else, and he's and he's more and he's more intelligent when he's reborn. Well, what happens is, is he? Are they cloning him, and and are they transferring his brain index to a clone or not? You don't know. But Van Vogt is a way of predicting things, or in, in, in prophetic fiction, that he, he doesn't really explain how it's going to be done. But sooner or later, we we come up with with uh, means of doing it. And or at least theoretical means of doing it. Now, this uploading and downloading of the human brain or the human mind, you know, there's we got to make the difference. The difference between the 
the brain and the mind. The brain is the organ. The mind is the is the program. So the uploading and downloading of 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 the human brain, the mind, into an artificial brain, is one aspect is one 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 form of transhuman of transhumanist immortality. Uh, that's one 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 version of it. Now uh, also uh, the the nanotech. Let's just talk about that for a minute. Nanotech is is the miniaturization of little little computers uh, or little machines. Tiny little little microscopic and even smaller than microscopic machines that can recreate themselves, and they can these these tiny little machines can uh, can recreate themselves, and they're they're almost like little viruses. They 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 are, and they're so small that you can take a bunch of them and put them in a solution and put them in a in a in a hypodermic needle and inject them in somebody and inject them full of a bunch of little machines that'll go and, and do what they're programmed to do and make more of themselves. So these little machines will eventually eventually these these little nanotech machines will cure an awful lot of diseases that we uh hopefully that we have that that that, that, that won't that just don't seem to be curable by anything else and you can you can imagine what what could what you could do with a serum full of little miniature little miniature machines that could go out and like like little pac-man you know little pac-man game pieces to go out and and eat up the plaque in your arteries wouldn't that be great oh boy you know all kinds of stuff that these these that can be done with nanotech and uh then, then also there's the uh, there's the aspect of implants, uh, and we we have a number. Of them. We're using these now. Now these are being used, not just by aliens that are trying to, to are trying to take us over, but but we're using implants now in brains, and 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 uh, and, and we're uh, we're uh, these implants are are a whole sphere of, of action in themselves that the transhumanists are involved in, and robotics. Uh, and uh, we're, we're all familiar with the, with the cyborg, with the science fiction uh, cyborg stories, and, and they, they have a lot to do with, uh, with uh, uh, this, this, the transhumanist ideas uh, are inspired by them and have inspired them. Uh, now uh, I'd like to uh, uh, get back to Dan Brown for a minute, and uh, and and mention that. So uh, Zorbis, uh, the uh, the genetic engineers created this disease that that uh, uh, that it, it effectively it effectively renders unproductive. Uh, two thirds of the population on the planet. He figures that this way, uh, um, this way, we'll be able to survive. Well, now I had an idea, and, and uh, I think I've mentioned this also before. I had an idea for something, a story like this, 
that I was going to do for the seventh ray, and I haven't done it yet. I mean, I'll still, I, I still think I'll write it up one of these days and do it because it's a different approach than Dan Brown has. See, Dan Brown is actually ends up the book. The disease is loose; they can't stop it. Even though, even though Sienna uh, Orbis' old girlfriend, she's tried. She has actually tried to stop it because she didn't realize that it was only uh, that it wouldn't that it wouldn't affect. Every, they wouldn't sterilize everybody. Uh, she didn't realize that. If she had, she might not have tried to stop it, but she didn't know how far he was going to go with this. And so she was actually trying to trying to help Langdon and the, and the World Health Organization stop this thing. But unfortunately, it got loose, and, it, and, and, and so in, in the end, uh, Zorbist, even though he he's commits suicide before his, his plague is launched, uh, he is actually, in a way, kind of the hero of the uh, of, of the story. Um, my idea was uh, a very wealthy, uh, very uh, very powerful Howard Hughes kind of guy uh, who uh, who was had a had a uh, a bio a biotech laboratory and. Uh, came up with the idea of creating super mumps. Because mumps, as some of you may know, uh, and uh, mumps, if its case is severe enough, it will cause sterility in, in males. And uh, so uh, this, this guy comes up with uh, this multi-billionaire uh, who has a lot of power in the government, government contracts and everything. And he... he uh, comes up with this idea of super mumps. And and uh so he hires a young young man who is the hero of the story, uh uh young uh um genetic engineer, um or not genetic not so much so much genetic engineer, bio uh, a a biologist, to um work in his laboratory and perfect this thing. And so the guy does but he's a young fella, and he's and he's married, and uh, sure enough, he ends up getting getting it himself, and the, and his wife wants a child more than anything else, and of course that that just about ruins his marriage right there, and and yet he's still working to, to develop this thing uh, for his uh, for his uh, his boss, and they finally develop it, and and so my story, the way it works out is that as they are wheeling the bombs out to the B-2 fleet and they're going to hit the various areas in the world uh, where the populations are swarming with this with this super mumps uh, and do it on the dark of the moon and that'll be, that'll be it. And of course, you know these various areas. Um, Mexico City, of course, is one of them, and 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 these various areas where the, especially third world, in third world countries, where they are swarming, and and uh, that's the plan for the super mumps attack. Uh, but the young man sees these bombs being rolled out toward the planes, and he realizes that they're not. That this isn't super mumps, and he asks one of these guys, all in black coveralls, you know, what hey, what is this? You know, these these are not this isn't what we designed. And at that point, before they kill him, they tell him that well, you know, 
we had a think tank working while you guys were developing this. We we had a we had a think tank projecting what the whole answer to this would be, and we realized that that if we did this, the whole world would gang up on us, and 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 you know, would be a war we couldn't win if we if they knew we did it, and. So we decided to change the plan. And instead of super mumps, we're 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 dropping bubonic plague. And uh, you know we're just going to kill them. We're not we're not we're, gonna, we're not going to bother sterilizing them because because so the, the idea, the moral of the story being that when you play God, whenever you play God like this, it's not going to work. Something's going to go wrong. That uh, and that that was that was my my version of the story was that that we don't we don't try to you don't try to, to, to come up with solutions like this. Uh and uh so I don't know whether Brown Brown's right or whether whether I'm right, whether I think I think personally that, that we should not attempt to do anything like this. Um but population explosion is a real genuine problem. Now one solution of course to the population explosion is is that is controlling the food supply of the world, which uh, some people say we are attempting to do, and uh, and uh, whether or not that where that's going to go, who knows? And most of our food that, that is is unfit to eat anyway, and and uh, so that's another issue um, that I think, uh, quite frankly, um, I've gone over to an all vegan diet, and I and I I strongly recommend that. Uh, you know, to, because most of our most of our our food really is not in this country is not fit to eat, and uh, especially the processed food. But anyway, um, Brown's uh, Brown's book, The Inferno, as I said, is is a really good read, and 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 presents some very very thought provoking uh, questions that you you want to run over in your mind, and. Uh, and and uh, the uh, the you have to ask yourself um, just just uh, how many people can this planet sustain? Well, now to get back to H.G. Wells' Men Like Gods, and this, by the way, is a parallel world story, and I, I really recommend it. It's very well done. It's um, it's a parallel world story. Which I'm sure Richard Shaver read at one time because Wells has uh, has uh, uh, his entrance to the parallel world, and I think David Lynch uh, read it too because Lynch did a story called Lost Highway, and and that's how that's how uh, uh, Barstaple, uh, Wells's hero, gets into the parallel world into Utopia. He drives in a little yellow sports car. He gets on the road. And out he goes, and he drives, and and pretty soon he turns a corner in the road, and he and he's on another kind of road, and it's a different pavement, and and he's in a different country, and and everything's different, and he is just going through a, uh, he's just going through a, uh, an interdimensional doorway, which has been opened by a couple of of utopians that were experimenting, blew themselves up doing it, um, but H. G. Wells, um. He said in here, and um, um, all right, let's see where is it here. 
first response of the general population of utopia to the prospect of power, leisure, and freedom thus opened out uh, out, out to it was, pro, was proliferation. It believed just as senselessly and mechanically as any other animal or vegetable species would have done, it bred until it had completely swamped the ampler opportunity that had opened before it. It spent the great gifts of science as rapidly as it got them in a mere insensate implication of the common life. At one time in the last age of confusion, the population of Utopia had mounted to over 2,000 million. That's 2 billion. But what is it now? Asked, uh, asked Barnstaple. About 250 million, the Utopians told him. That had been the maximum population that could live a fully developed life upon the surface of Utopia. But now, with increasing resources, the population was being increased. A gasp of horror came from, from Father Amerton, the priest. He had been uh, dreading this, this realization for some time. It struck at his moral foundations. And you dare to regulate increase? You control it? Your women consent to bear children as they are needed or refrain? Well, of course. Why not? Well, I feared as much, said Father Everton. And leaning forward, he covered his face with his hands, murmuring, I felt this in the atmosphere, the human stud farm. The refusing to create souls, the wickedness of it, oh, my God. Well, yeah, okay. So uh, this, was, uh, this was Utopia solving the problem by, by birth control, family planning. By the way, there is a there. As I said, there was a an article a couple of weeks ago, an editorial in the L.A. Times, in which they mentioned has come out advocated family planning, and of course Dan Brown, as as those of you who read his books know, that the Catholic Church is one of his favorite villains, and he blames them here in Inferno. Uh, in in at one point, Zorbis says that when when the uh, when the gal from the, the World Health Organization, the lady says that, well, we're trying, we're, we, 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 we've got, uh, we're trying to do family planning in Africa and all that. And he said, yeah, uh, and, and we give them all these condoms. And then the Catholic missionaries come right along and tell them to all burn in hell if they use them. And now you've got, you've got uh, trash dumps full of, full of, full of unused condoms. And uh, so, um, but the Pope, of course, according to this latest, his latest uh, revelation, says finally planning is fine, but uh, but not modern contraception. So uh, that is, you know, it is a problem that that when you try to you try to constrain the population, the, the Chinese, the Chinese did it. It, it had it. Did did do it? But they they succeeded, and they did it with the tax system. <laughs> and of course. That's one of the ways that, that uh, in this country, that's one of the ways that that we we uh, we do it. At least the middle class is, has been uh, the tax the tax code is has actually kept the middle class from having large families. So, um, but um, it doesn't seem to stop the stop the the other the, you know the 
below the middle class. They have as many as they want because they they get more welfare for all of them that they have. And so, so if you want to, if you the, the, the way to really you know control population, if and the Chinese proved it, is is with the tax situation, and and uh, literally also we need and with which they will not do, we need to cut off the welfare. It, we've what we've done and, and have made it actually an industry for certain for for women in this country. It's become a way of life for them to get married. Now sometimes they don't even they don't even have to get married. Get married or get married or, or not, have a child, and then and then you know uh, get get child support from the father and and uh, and welfare from the state. And keep having more and more and more and more and more, and keep doing it. And and um, well, some people call it welfare fraud uh, or welfare mothers. But but in order, we, we what we 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 should do is is discourage that. And and you know just uh, and and if they can't take care of the, the kids, then I don't know what we're going to. You know we can't let them starve and all of that. That's true. But then on the other hand, uh, when um, when something like this becomes a a racket, and when it's when it's actually affecting you know it's actually uh, um, affecting our economy and 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 affecting our our population growth uh, adversely, then we need to do something about it. I don't know though. I'm not a politician, and however I am, as you can gather, I'm not I'm not I'm not a I'm not a liberal, <laughs> and and I think frankly, um, and. But I'm not a transhumanist either. And let's compare this, by the way, to hermetic um, uh, philosophy and hermetic elitism. Now, you, those of you who have followed this program, and you, you, you know pretty much what, what the hermetic proposition is. We, we believe that, that all men have the speech, but not the mind. And what we mean by that is the awareness of their personal their personal divinity, and that is what what you learn in the hermetic uh, baptism. The hermetic baptism uh, it, it, it confirms to you, or should confirm to you, your personal divinity, your own personal destiny, your own personal divinity, and and uh, the idea that you are that you are a a representative of God on, on, on this earth. And very similar to Christianity in, in that respect. In fact, if you, if you take an enlightened, hermetically enlightened perspective and read the, read the, the Gospels, you will find that Jesus, you, 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 you'll start thinking like Jesus of Nazareth was really hermetic, which he probably was. And, and, uh, and yet, at the same time, Jesus believe that all people, even those with the speech and the mind, that he could that he could get all people to realize their their link to God. He he believed he could do that. And and um whether he whether that's possible or not I don't know, but but I know that's what he believed. And that belief of his has been misused. It's been it's been misused 
over and over and over again, and and it it became uh, well, it became the paradigm for for uh, Marxism and and various forms of socialism, and and even the even the paradigm for the Enlightenment. And and in a sense, like we remember, we mentioned and he said that that that, that the Enlightenment, the, the the primarily principle of the Enlightenment, and, and you know, espoused by Rousseau, Alvedius, and those and the Enlightenment philosophers, is that all men are created equal. Well, they're not because all men are not created with equal uh, equal talent, equal intelligence, equal uh, capacity for uh, for um, um, well, just capacity for basic survival. All pe- all people are, do not are not born this way. They're just not. Some people do are not are, do not have the gifts that others do, talent wise, uh, intelligence wise, uh, or whatever. But um, the enlightenment. They, 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 they kind of, as I say, took Jesus's idea. Jesus's idea was that everybody, everybody is a child of God. If, if I can, if we can only convince them, if we can only convince them that they're all the same, they're all, they are, yeah, but they're, they're not. And, and, uh, and so uh, that, that aspect is not, that's not hermetic. The hermetic aspect is, is some, some people, some people know, some people know and and know their relationship to God, know their know their 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 place and their purpose, whatever. And others do not. And so, consequently, we are in this respect kind of like the transhumanists, because the transhumanists they are elitists. Even though they're saying, under the pressure of political correctness, and by the way, political correctness is is primarily a result of Jesus's mistake, and and uh, that that's what political correctness goes back to that, and uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, the problem with uh, with this uh, with this. Uh, with transhumanist transhumanist elitism is even though political correctness has forced them to say, "Okay, it's for everybody. It's got to be for everybody." Well, they, they they're forced into that. Otherwise, you know, uh, if you're <laughs> otherwise you're 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 in for you're you're if you're not politically correct these days, you can get in a lot of trouble. And uh, and so consequently, um, but they're still they're still elitists. Because they they want to participate, yeah, sure they want it to be for everybody, but they wanted but they but they wanted to be for them too. So so obviously this is a form of elitism. If you're gonna if you're gonna say, oh yeah we yeah we'll 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 we'll, we'll all be we'll be supermen we'll all be supermen. Uh, but um, uh, the question is, uh, is that really going to be the way it is? And there's still a lot of people. Critics of, of transhumanism who, who will tell you, no, it's not going to be that way. That's it's going to be only for those who can, only for those who can afford it, and only for those who who have the connections and whatever. So I don't know to tell you the truth um, myself. Uh, I suppose we can say that that um, that uh, well, maybe maybe they can do it for everybody. I don't know. I don't. I I, I sort I kind of doubt it, but. 
let's uh, let's also um, consider this. The hermetic position is that we're going to accomplish the same thing, and in this sense, we're kind of like Scientology uh, in the sense that we want to perfect the mind. We we want we want to use use alchemy. And, and that's primarily for our health purposes to perfect the body. So, as the Greeks said, you know, you have to you, have, you, you can't have a you can't have a mind that you, the, the mind depends upon the body, and it does. So you have to be healthy. So alchemy, we're going to use alchemy for health and longevity, and and um, and we're going to use uh, yoga. For to develop our minds and develop our mental processes, uh, this is in a lot of ways like Herbert, you know, in Dune. Dune is a, a the novel Dune, as you recall. Uh, people eventually revolted against the computers, and then they then they trained themselves. They trained themselves to do with their minds what the computers had done, and and uh, to, uh, because they rebelled against domination of the computers, the machines. And so we we kind of feel like in the hermetic uh, philosophy that that we want to perfect the human mind and we want to and we want to uh, uh we want to heal heal ourselves with the yoga and, and, and alchemy and and we want we want to we also absolutely we also believe in astrology and and we and and I don't think that's unscientific, by the way, because uh, uh, there have been you know astrology was was created or or the 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 truths behind astrology were established the same way that the truths in science were established and by okay if such and such is the case the result you mark that down. Okay, can we replicate this? Okay, yes. When such and such is the case, we get the same result. And we wrote it down and we do it. And so we know. And when such and such a planet is and and, and, and planets are in relationship and such and such a sign, and we already know that's the case and, and here it is again, okay. That's science. And and uh and there have been some there the uh, so so astrology was established by Experimentation and by you know by observation and and um, and and statistics and that's what what do you use in science? You use observation and statistics, and and that's what gives you your your scientific inference. And astrology is established the same way. And so astrology, of course, is is the bedrock of hermetic uh, hermetic philosophy, and so. We use that as as our our, our magical universe, and and uh, and we think that that's going to that that's going to get. I don't think it's going to it's going to be become obsolete. I think it's going to get better, and I think it and, and it's going to become more scientific. So uh, so we have a different way in 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 um, in hermetic philosophy and uh, hermetic practice. We have a different way of achieving uh, the the kind of of uh, elitism, the kind of immortality, the kind of the very the very goals that the transhumanists are are seeking to accomplish, we would like to accomplish them by hermetic methods, and uh, and uh, so 
yet at the same time i'm i don't think that we're particularly against some of the some of the uh technologies and the and the and the uh, ideas of the transhumanists i'm not against a lot of them i i i think that i think I think we can work with them, <laughs> in a sense. I don't see any reason why we can't. And and so, uh, but as I said, I I don't believe that 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 we ought to come up with a designer disease that that sterilizes one out of every three people on the planet. And I also don't think we ought to try for for super mumps either. Uh, but but I do think we should try. Like the Chinese, I think we should we should start looking at our political structure and tax structure and our welfare system to try to see if we can't get this population under control. Uh, so that's uh, enough of this controversial subject. Like I say, I recommended two books here for you: uh, Dan Brown's Inferno and H.G. Wells' Men Like Gods. Both of them, I think, are very very well worth reading. And uh, and uh, next week, um, oh gosh, I tell you what I'm going to do. Next week, I'm going to ask. I'm, I'm going to pull around on our new website. We got we, we got our new website up, and um, Sorosandria has done a terrific job designing it, setting it up. I'm going to pull the website and see what 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 kind of subject we'd like to deal with next week. Okay, and until then. Uh, until then, uh, uh, let's look to the future and, and, uh, and let's, uh, and let's, uh, see if we can't, uh, see if we can't figure out ways of getting the population under control without getting drastic. Okay. Bye-bye.